0: Hello, I'm Che and this is episode 31 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast. My guest for today is the amazing Clint Show. Clint is an Australian travel photographer who has visited more than 70 countries in his lifetime. Recently he embarked on an adventure with his wife, cycling across Europe, starting in St. Petersburg, then going down the Baltic states into Poland, Slovakia, Austria, Switzerland and with a plan to end up in France. As soon as I knew about Clint's plans, I wanted him uh, to come on the show and talk to our audience about it. So, it took a while to to organize this, to to set this up because, I mean, it's not easy when somebody is just uh, on a bicycle camping around uh, to find uh, the place and the time and the connectivity to be able to record an interview. Luckily, uh, Clint happened to be uh, resting for a few days in Poland and that's when I uh, managed to get him on Skype to record this interview. If you want to know more details about Clint's trip, you should definitely listen to this interview. We talked about organization, gear packing the practicalities of this kind of travel and of course about travel photography you can also find this episode online at ttim.photo 31 with links and images and so on if you like the show and if you want to leave a review on itunes that would be very much appreciated and now let's jump right into my interview with clint birkinshow enjoy
1: Hello, my name's Clint Berkenshaw. Um I'm currently on the border of Poland and Slovakia. Um, my wife and I are currently in the middle of a cross-continental long-haul cycle trip um, where we load our bicycles up full of camping gear, about 50, 60 kilograms worth, and we're trying to cross a continent. And uh, I'm lucky enough to be interviewed by Hugo today.
0: And, uh, of course, it's your birthday today, so all the best wishes. Uh, today is the is June 15 for people that will be listening to this a few weeks later, but uh, June 15 happens to be your birthday, so best wishes. Are you going to have a birthday cake tonight?
1: Uh, thank you very much. I uh, appreciate it. Um, I think tonight, probably not a birth, birthday cake, but maybe a couple of birthday beers and birthday
0: rums. Uh-huh. It's uh, <laughs> more like the Australian tradition. <laughs> <years>. <laughs> sure.
1: um,
0: so you are in poland a uh, place called zakopane you told me that's the one uh, yep. that's in,
1: beautiful
0: yeah. uh, you're in the middle of a cycling trip across europe so wh- where did your trip start and uh, what countries did you visit what were your, the highlight the highlights of your trip so far
1: I started, Oh well, we started, we, uh, we flew to Tallinn in Estonia, the capital of Estonia, uh, in a, in a, right in the northeast section of Europe, um, after a quick little gallivant around to St. Petersburg and Finland while we were waiting for, to get all of our camping gear across um, through customs, which appeared a bit more difficult than we would have liked, <laughs> we started cycling from Tallinn. And it's taken about a month, uh, and we came down through Estonia, uh, Latvia, Lithuania, and we've crossed uh, Poland now, uh, where we are now, um, as you mentioned before, Zakopane. The Baltics uh, were absolutely beautiful. There were the Baltics, being Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, they were really nice, couple of countries to start out in because they're extremely flat. So it's <laughs> that was really good to build your leg muscles and fitnesses up and uh, waiting for the mountains in Southern Poland. Uh, as of the last several days, we've really hit some big hills and um, we are right now on the border of Slovakia where the mountains are really, really going to start. So it's, uh, we're going to be tested quite a bit soon.
0: That these are the Tatra mountains, right?
1: Yeah. That's yeah. The one. Yes. Stunning. Yes.
0: These are, these are beautiful. Yeah. And you planning to, to cross them into Slovakia?
1: Yes, uh, in the coming days, um, probably we, we're having a few days off as a bit of a rest, um, let the legs recover. Uh, we're we're trying to push sixty kilograms uh, for about eight hours a day uh, over hills and stuff with our legs, so it's crucial, you know, once one or two days a week you give your body a bit of a rest because it's quite exhausting mentally and physically. But yeah, so we're having a few extra days for my birthday, but. When we leave here, we're heading directly south, basically, or where we can head south. We have to go up a bit. But, yeah, we're going to attempt to cycle across the Slovakian mountains. Um, So we're going to be doing quite a bit of uh, mountain climbs in the coming days. So it's going to be a a big physical test.
0: And after that? Any specific plans or you're just going on a day-by-day basis and deciding, well, let's uh, just put a finger on the map and we'll go there?
1: <laughs> it's a little bit like the, the latter. We have planned, we're probably going to head down into Hungary. Um, we originally planned to go to the Croatian coast. Uh, then we've started chopping and changing, and then we said, oh, maybe we should go to Istanbul. And today, uh, as of about an hour ago, we we're sitting, having a beer, and looking at a map and said, you know what, maybe we should chuckle west and Go through Austria, Switzerland, uh, and through France, all the mm-hmm. way to the uh, Ar- uh not the Arctic, the uh, Atlantic. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I ch- uh, literally our plans are changing on a daily basis. Yeah, so so at the moment, all that's really set in stone is us crossing the mountains in Slovakia.
0: Yeah. So then, depending on your whim on a particular day, you decide <laughs> yeah, whether to take trend. the left turn or the right turn. Mm. east or west that's that's funny i mean that's a one of the advantages of traveling that way is probably that you don't have to to do a lot of planning in advance to to reserve hotels and so on even though mind you if you how long are you going to to go with uh, to to cycle like that
1: well we plan on cycling for approximately three months mm-hmm. um we're going to try and clock up around three to three and a half thousand kilometers. Uh, each day we try to we try to do an average of around 80 kilometers a day some days it's 100 and uh, on the good days and some of the bad days is 60 when you might get some punctures and or some really big uphills um, and a good thing about carrying all the camping equipment and stuff as well is, you, on a lot of the days you can just cycle until you're exhausted and you, you just find a forest somewhere and start wild camping in the middle of nowhere and Um, you've got all your food and your tent and all that stuff with you so it's kind of it's a really nice feeling of freedom as well
0: yeah let me just warn you you're heading into the heart of europe in august and like when everybody's on vacation and all the places are filled up with tourists (laughs) yeah you might have to sleep where where you can find a like a little place and be careful because not uh, not every not everywhere you can do free camping so i am ge- I guess you know all of this. So.
1: And and I've had a I've had a few warnings shot my way recently of uh brown bears in Slovakia, um which I I didn't know coming from Australia. Um so I don't think we're gonna be doing too much, you know, cooking and leaving food around in our tent at night mm. when we're in a <laughs> camping down there. Yeah.
0: Um and I think you have uh, another trip planned right after that, so you're not going back to to Australia immediately, is that right?
1: Yep, yep, that's right. So this cycling uh, across Europe is stage one. We like to generally think about it like that. Um, After we finish cycling the distance, uh, we're going to pack our bikes up and send them home, and we're going to then head north. Uh, into the arctic circle where we're going to spend several months going to iceland, uh, norway and maybe one or two others. Uh, we'll, we'll again we'll see when we're there and uh, how how well the funds do so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah we spent uh plan to spend at least 2-3 months uh photographing the you know the real serene landscapes up there. Um so the second half's really going to be more f- photography focused. Um, rather than endurance focus for this first half.
0: Yeah. Um in terms of um, of equipment, you are cycling across Europe in the middle of summer. That means that it's uh, it's going to be quite hot. So you will have summer clothes and then you're heading north at the end of summer when it's starting to get cold. So did you arrange for clothing to be shipped up there when you uh, finish your cycling?
1: Um well we've got it all on us to be honest that mm-hmm. when we first started in uh, Estonia it was quite cold uh which when did we start we started beginning or mid may and mm-hmm. it's still we've it got a little in the early morning it was still a little bit cold there and so we plus we knew we were going to be crossing mountains and sleeping in a bit of altitude as well, so we've got all the rain and uh, warm equipment and stuff with us um, so we, we're literally carrying it all so. Luckily, we, we've got a lot of, well, aside from making the bikes extra he- heavy, when we do go to the Arctic, we have all the cold weather gear on us already.
0: So any specific tips or um, suggestions about your the packing list? What what is, absolutely, what is absolutely necessary to pack for such a trip? And maybe what you didn't think you needed and you discovered only after you started.
1: And this for the bicycle Stage one of the trip? Yeah. Yeah. Well, go light. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the best advice I could give, literally, when you start packing, you throw away all the stuff you don't think you need and you're left with what's left and then you need to halve that again. Yeah. It's Because when you're pushing 60 kilograms up a hill for several hours a day, um, your knees feel it, your quads feel it and uh, – you really need to go as light as possible to make your trip uh, as plausible and enjoyable as possible. So, you know, half the amount of uh, clothes that you're going to wear, be really selective with the type of photography gear that you're going to take. And as a photographer, you know, I can't help but keep weighing my bike down with that stuff, but I had to really be picky with that. Um, lightweight tents, good light sleeping bag, and uh, and be picky with the type of tools and stuff that I take as well. So, it's a, yeah, it's a big. It's it's a, that's a challenge in itself.
0: Yeah, what, what kind of bike are you driving? Is that a kind of a mountain bike or a more of a road bike?
1: Uh, they call them uh, a tour bike, so mm-hmm. they're they're built for long distance uh, and taking quite a lot of weight and a lot of shocks and stuff. So not this, It more it looks like a hybrid type bike except it's a lot more solid, metal sticker, the metal thicker. the welding the, the gears are probably a lot better, um, they're a bit more expensive uh, but they're a lot heavier as well so they're not built for speed, they're built for yeah, you know indestructible distance endurance so and, uh, yeah. and so yeah. mine's uh, called a surly long haul trucker
0: uh-huh. I see yep. that uh, needs to be comfortable as well Yes, as much and, as possible I mean compatibly with the and that Sitting we've for for hours on a small seat. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And we've got a Brooks saddle for that. It takes about six to eight hundred kilometers to break in. It's like a really hard leather one, but after those six to eight hundred kilometers, it's the best seat you'll ever have, and you keep it for years to come.
0: Did, did you do? Have to? Did you have to do a lot of um, training, getting in shape for this trip before leaving?
1: Um, well. My wife and I are pretty fit as it is. Uh, I mean, I, I, I surf and I play tennis and I do a bit of running for fitness and stuff as well. Uh, so we're generally pretty good. Uh, we didn't do too much cycling. We went to you know a couple of those RPM classes and stuff like that um, to try and build up the quads a bit. Um, but not too much training. Um, it would probably be been a good idea for anyone listening to this and planning on doing something like that, the more training – you can do prior the better because for us the first week oh my god we're in a bit of pain
0: (laughs) (laughs) i can imagine um speaking of more about photography what is in your bag uh, for this trip specifically i know we we talked we had an interview and was that more than a year ago we discussed about your choice of gear you were Shooting a mirrorless Sony system, if I remember well at the time so, yes. yep.
1: so i'll talk about it in two stages stage the, the cycling trip i've had to uh, you know begrudgingly cut down more than I wanted um, for this i 'm taking two lenses, one body uh, and a travel tripod um, it's, so i'm taking a ultra wide a 16 to 35 millimeter, millimeter and a telephoto 17 70 to 200 and my sony a 7 R. I i would like to take more lenses um but i have to be really smart when it comes to how much luggage i can take on on a push bike so um yeah so a really minim ultra minimalistic photography gear for this for stage two of the trip um making my photography gear a little bit heavier. I'm having another bag mailed over and another couple of lenses. So I'm getting a astrophotography lens, so uh, an ultra a fixed ultra wide um, that's going to be purely for night photography and I'm also getting a, a fixed 1.4 uh, 55 mm shipped mm-hmm. over as well. So I'm going to then travel with a four lenses in total.
0: Yeah. But do you have a backup body?
1: Uh, I do not have a backup body. Um, mm. but, uh, also is carrying a mm. Sony a 6,000, uh, which we're going to be using. Um, I've thought, uh, I've toyed around with maybe getting another backup body. Um, but then again, I'm thinking of the weight savings and stuff like that. And, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll probably decide in the future.
0: Yeah, I see. Uh, aside from the specifically purely photographic uh, equipment uh, do you carry laptop tablet uh, and what what other kind of uh, electronic equipment or or stuff that is needed to to process and share photos online while you're traveling
1: yes uh, i carry a 13 inch macbook air with me which is uh, uh it's done absolutely wonders. This has been on so many trips with me before. It's been shaken like no other laptop's ever been shaken, and it, it's just powering on. So I do all of my processing and stuff on the MacBook here. I also have a spare hard drive, which is, well, we have multiple hard drives between us, which is absolutely crucial for anyone listening. Take multiple hard drives, back up your photos. I know what it's like to have, to lose a whole bunch of photos and never will I do that again. Mm. Um, And I'm I'm taking a couple of, we've taken a couple of smartphones with us, um, which is handy for quick snapshots and uh, just internet in random places. And
0: you mentioned the issue of backups uh, and that was my next question, actually. (laughs) And uh, uh, so you have multiple external drives to, to up your photos and so on, but still you are vulnerable to, to theft or to some, Mm hope not, some accidents happening to your equipment and you, you're still carrying it all on your on yourself. So did you plan to do some online backups, uh, send the images to the cloud or maybe mail drives back home once in a while? What Do you have any other uh, last uh, line of defense against those? Uh, yeah,
1: um, over... I've been traveling the last 10 years and it's taken me ages to get to this point. I wish I'd come to it sooner because uh, I have lost a whole bunch of photographs in the past of some of my favorite countries, but you know, we've got a, basically a method now. I, you can't really rely on a cloud when you're um, backing stuff up, especially when you're shooting so many raw files and stuff like that and internet connection is obviously in many of the locations I've traveled to just unreliable so, what we do is, I have all, uh, I keep about three different copies of my photographs on my laptop. I back that, this laptop up to a hard drive, um, my hard drive, and I'll also copy all my photos from that on my wife's hard drive and vice versa. So, she's carrying her hard drive, and I'm keeping my laptop and my hard drive in two different places. So, in thing, case of things like Theft of where one or two bags get stolen. There's another copy somewhere else. Unless 100% of our equipment gets stolen, then we're in trouble. Um, but what we'd like to do after the cycling thing, we kind of we're going to do a last final backup, purchase another hard drive, put all of our stuff onto that, send it home as well. So there's an you know sporadically there's a fourth copy sitting mm-hmm. back home in Australia for you know absolute safeguarding.
0: Yeah how much data do you actually produce in a day do you take a lot of photos is a um well,
1: the cycling part of the trip I'm not taking too many photos uh, with my camera unfortunately it's more of a big physical mental endurance type thing for mm-hmm. a few months but uh, we, we do cycle for five days and give ourselves two days off so those two days i if if possible we're somewhere you know Nice landscapes. I like to get out and see if I can get some sunset shooting. Some, you know, if we're by a beach or in some land or even in a nice town. So I, I have clocked up, uh, I'd say, thirty gig. I reckon at the moment of uh, mm-hmm. being a month and four, four, four or five weeks in, I've clocked about thirty gig. Um, so yeah we do accumulate quite a lot of stuff and the second half of this trip i'm going to be probably expecting to treble that at a in the same amount of time because going to iceland and norway you you know the landscapes Mm. that are up there and i love landscape photography so i think i'm going to be a bit camera happy
0: (laughs) uh, yeah i guess it's uh, when you have uh like cycle for 100 kilometers for a day you just don't want to think yeah. about yeah let's just cycle another 20 kilometers to go to this nice sunset spot and then go back to the hotel exactly. and the camping and so on. And the,
1: and the problem is that during a day your camera's all wrapped up in yeah. waterproof panniers and stuff like that so you have to undo a lot of gear just to get your camera out yeah. and it, it, it puts a big dent in your day when you start doing that.
0: So it's more about like experiencing the countries and the places than than actually photographing them at least for this this part of the trip
1: for the first yeah i try to snap i try to get as much snaps as possible and stuff like that but the first one's more of an endurance thing um for travel sake i guess
0: okay what do you hope to bring home from this trip in in terms of photographs and experiences
1: well that's a good question Uh, i remember back in the day i used to travel and collect souvenirs and stuff like that but it got to the point with backpacking and stuff there's only so many souvenirs um which you can fit in your backpack before it starts getting heavy and you have to start mailing stuff home and then mailing stuff home gets expensive and stuff like that so ages ago i decided you know my souvenirs are actually going to be photographs that's actually kind of what got me into photography in the first place so when we go on these trips and Uh, for the cycling and going up into the Arctic Circle, I really want to create the best memories of possible and recreate how I felt when I was there and stuff like that. So I put a lot of effort into my photography um, because these are my life's souvenirs, so to speak. Um, I've been traveling for the last 11, 12 years now and instead of accumulating a whole bunch of things back home, I'm spending all my time and money and stuff on on this travel. so this th- these memories and these photographs are basically what i what I have to show uh, for myself, so it's really important um to bring home the best photography that I can possibly bring.
0: Uh, it's great that you mentioned money because that was, uh, again, you're just feeding me opportunities to to ask you the questions I already had in mind. <laughs> yeah,
1: go for it, yeah.
0: <laughs> like, uh, how can you afford to, to stay on the road so much?
1: That, that, it's, it's a good question, and I'm, and a lot of people are interested in stuff. I find some people uh are a little bit afraid to ask it, but it's absolutely not a problem answering. Uh, basically, when I was... When I'm at home, I'm not a full-time photographer. I kind of go from full-time to not full-time, full-time to not full-time. When I'm back home, I actually work in the field of information technology. So when I'm back home, I am absolutely working my fingers to the bone. Um, I'm I'm not spending money where all my friends and family are spending money in terms of food, clothing, accommodation, all that stuff. I'd I'd be as cheap as possible while still trying to live the good life if you're kind of trying to find that happy medium point. But I really have a big priority on saving as much money as possible and putting it all into the right areas uh, and probably I don't have as much things. I don't have that real nice car. I don't eat those real nice dinners all the time. I don't have those expensive clothes and stuff like that. So, And and all of these little things over a period of time accumulate. Um, and so I, I, I save my absolute butt off for like 12, 13 months. And surprisingly enough, if you skimp out on enough little things and stuff like that, the end result is uh, much bigger. And yeah, simply having that savings and yes I admit I've got a reasonable paying job as well but that allows me to quit and travel for a whole year so I've been I work for a year and travel for a year on average over the last uh, 10 to 12 years and um, that's how I've been funding a lot of my travels
0: but do you still plan to make some money out of this trip like by selling photos
1: I I make I make some money from photography uh, nowhere near enough to Mm -hmm. uh, you know feed my income full-time so to speak i would absolutely yeah. love to i just don't <laughs> um but so, yeah I, I make some money and stuff like that and so I don't you, take yeah. any of that as a bonus
0: as you said before um, we mentioned that when we talked uh, again uh, a year ago uh the fact that you were maybe thinking of doing photography full-time but you're still not there and it doesn't look like you are planning to go there anytime soon
1: uh, not for a while. Uh, I think I'm on a I'm on a good deal with my with the IT work. There seems to be quite a lot of nice contract work. Ideally, you know, my, my absolute love is uh, photography, and I'd prefer to do that any day over IT. Um, but I don't think I'm going to make the jump until I'm absolutely confident that I'm in that I can absolutely put myself into a better situation like that and so in the in the coming several years i'm going to continuously work on it and hopefully one day i can make that jump um and in the meantime i'm going to continuously work towards it
0: yeah what i mean you don't have it too bad you can uh, you have a job that allows you to travel for a full year and come home and still have your job and then yes I um yeah
1: i think uh,
0: many Some people would be good
1: for contracts and stuff like that so yeah i can i have a 12 month contract and i can quit that and i come back and you yeah, there seems to be lots of contracts around so i can just pick that up again
0: that's uh many people are envious of you at this moment <laughs>
1: yeah i guess with my career i don't have a clientele in which i lose when i quit yeah. so to speak
0: yeah that's great that's great um you said you've been traveling uh, intensely for uh, more than ten years, right? And so you've been to, I guess you've been to many countries and places and so on. What, what what's your favorite country or your favorite location? If you the one that if you were offered an opportunity to go there again tomorrow with no limits and money or time, you would just uh, go there.
1: Okay, so I'll, I can answer this in a few ways. I mean, I've been asked this question before, and uh, I guess my favourite country I'd define in in genres, so to speak. So I'd say my, one of my favourite countries for culture, I'd say, you know, something like Myanmar, um, for example, or Colombia. Um, for scenery and landscapes, I would I would select. Nepal, uh, Peru, uh, you know Chile for Torres del in Argentina, down in Patagonia. Um, but if if one country, I'd say out of all of that, has won my heart, I'd say it's probably Colombia. It's mm-hmm. it's one of my favourite countries that I've ever. I've, I've travelled now to just over seventy countries, and i will still put. Colombia as a, a country that's really won my heart, um, and I've for, got a real soft spot for. For,
0: for what reasons?
1: Ah, it's a, a good all-round thing. So they got lovely culture. The landscapes are beautiful. They got really high peaks. They've got you know stunning absolute Caribbean coastlines. The they're probably the most. Well, Latin America uh, is the best festive party type. Location in the world, not that I'm a party animal or anything like that, but they really know how to celebrate over there, and it's a really festive, enjoyable, happy type culture. Um, and I can speak a little bit of Spanish and all that, so that yeah. helps. And uh, that food's you. not too bad.
0: <laughs> well, uh, keep Colombia in our in our minds and keep it on a list of places to visit.
1: But I haven't visited Norway or Greenland or anything like yeah. that. So to be honest, if you were going to say. Uh, you got a free country to go to for the next three months or something like that. What's it going to be? I'd probably select Norway or Greenland because okay. I am dying to get there.
0: Again, uh, again, that was to be my next question. <laughs> you anticipated that as well, it's, which is perfectly good. It's great. <laughs> we are uh, great minds, minds think like, so they say. So, uh, yeah, you would visit Norway next. That That's what you would love to do. And are you going to include it in your? Uh, Uh, your itinerary for the second leg of your uh, of this journey yes
1: always locked in absolutely Mm -hmm. i remember back in 2009 i think it was i went to iceland for a couple of weeks and one of my one of the one of the things i desperately wanted to see was the aurora borealis and i i was unlucky then there was a Clouds, 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 except for the one night I decided not to go outside. It happened to be beautiful that night. So <laughs> I've, I've had the, the Aurora Borealis currently is my white whale, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So when I'm going back to Iceland. It's not going to be for the Aurora Borealis season, but Norway is definitely going to be. We're going to stay in Norway for as long as possible. We're going to hire a car and drive up and down, but we're going to stay there until we can shoot that night sky with the Green Lady dancing above
0: yeah, you just need a few a few hours of darkness. Uh, of course, in summer the problem is that you don't have enough hours of of darkness. But as the the season progresses, and uh, what I've learned about uh, those latitudes, like high up the the Arctic Circle and Norway, is that uh, the the change in the difference between uh, uh, daylight and uh, and night is very very fast like uh, you get like uh, one hour difference per per week between uh, yeah one week to the next so i think there and there is not enough darkness you just have to wait a couple of weeks and you'll have yeah especially november
1: i think there's about 15 16 minutes difference per day uh, as it goes into winter of light fading and that's crazy
0: that's crazy yeah yeah so
1: we're going to be there um, September, October. Um, so we should, we should be able to have uh, quite a bit of dark in the night sky um, yeah. for around then. We should be all right.
0: Let's hope for, for the best for your...
1: I'm not going until I see. <laughs> lights.
0: You're not going away until you get nope. them? You're not going away until you get them? Is that what you said?
1: Exactly yeah. right. I'll sleep in a tent for months on end if I have to.
0: <laughs> okay. I was in Norway just for four days and I didn't have any luck. So maybe next year I will try for longer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh, again, thanks for uh, for being our guest today. Uh, I learned no a lot problem. From it was our, fantastic uh, being back. And uh, anything you would like to add before we wrap it up?
1: Um, well, I guess if you want to see uh, more of my photographs, you can follow me on Facebook or Google Plus, Twitter or Instagram. You can find all of those links and uh, my gallery uh, over at ExplosiveAperture dot com. Um, that's my homepage, and you can go from there.
0: Yeah, we will definitely put a link in the in the show notes. To your website and your various online presences, and uh, I'll, I keep following your uh, travel diary on Facebook uh, because it's really it's really interesting seeing all those places. Uh, I've seen some of them; some of them are new to me. So, and always seeing them with uh, with different eyes, with the perspective of somebody else, uh, uh, it's always worth it. So, thanks for yeah. for sharing your uh, your trips and your images with us.
1: No problem. It's been an absolute pleasure and it's been fantastic talking to you again.
0: And I hope we will uh, talk again soon. Absolutely. Now All the best and take care and goodbye.
1: Thank you. See you later.